Hey there, listeners. Exciting news. As our companion piece to today's episode, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, we have an interview with one of the show's original writers, the legendary Bruce Valanche. But here's the thing. You can only listen to it if you're a $5 Patreon member. But trust us, it is worth it. Bruce talks about fake jam, the dancing feet of Robert Bob Reed, and of course, Uncle Milty Schlong. Yes, all that and more if you go to Patreon right now and become a subscriber. Search This Was A Thing on Patreon.com. Come on. Don't we all want to hear about Uncle Milty stooping Marilyn Monroe while an elephant watches? Now, on with the show. Here's the story. <laughs> you get it. Here's the story. Another show from the Brady's. It was odd and was a variety show. All Brady's are back, except for Jan. Oh, yeah, they got a new Jan. Oh, this show, yeah, has musical numbers that used old songs and pop hits of the time. It had guest stars like Ann B. Davis, produced by Weird Puppeteers. Now, if you're thinking it's too odd to be true, then there's something we are about to tell you We'll get to talk about when the Brady's sing This week on This Was A Thing was a thing, Brady Bunch, Atari, Deep Throat Roots, and Ted Bundy, Hanoi Jane, Celebrity Bowling, that was a thing, Bobby Fischer, Blackouts, Betty Ellen, Paul, Lynn, Dolly, and Marie, Rich Little, and Billie Jean King, this was a thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Sunday, it's America's favorite family. From the producers of Donnie and Marie, it's the all-new Brady Bunch Variety Hour. This was a thing because it was the first time network executives thought they could franchise a show, and who better to franchise with than the Bradys? And let's be honest... The world is a better place with a little more Brady. Now, the Bradys have come back together a number of times since the original show ended uh, after five seasons in 1974, which is, it's always been crazy to me that the Brady Bunch was only five seasons. Feels longer, doesn't it? It it feels so much longer. Yeah, there was 117 episodes, which is perfect for syndication. But It's those Cousin Oliver episodes that make you feel like you're in an epic, epic story. It's true. I always thought it would be more than 117, but I feel like it's just been on reruns forever, so it just Mm. seems like you always catch one you didn't see. I feel like the show was in reruns before it even premiered. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's just been around forever. Exactly. Like, they're like, oh, this again when it first premiered. (laughs) I've seen this one. Now, I feel like this show is the perfect example of a 70s variety hour. Rob, could you explain to the audience what a variety show is in case they don't know? Absolutely, as I have my PhD in variety shows. It is true. He he always displays the plaques and everything. It's very odd. PhD variety. I do display my plaque, and then I take Listerine. Not a proud sponsor of This Was a Thing, (laughs) the podcast. A variety show was a television show that we don't really see so much anymore but it was usually uh, hosted by one individual like Dean Martin or Julie Andrews and it was called like the Dean Martin Variety Show or the the Julie Andrews Variety Hour and what it would be is is the host would come out do a couple of monologues or something like that sing and then throughout the the uh, the thing there'd be sketches and usually this the host would interact with different guest stars that would come on people like Paul Lind were really big on variety shows singers like Juliet Prowse and Judy Garland and all those and I love variety shows. Before we even knew what camp was, they were they were very campy. My favorite variety show was the Dean Martin variety show because fun fact, Dean Martin never rehearsed the show. Everyone else rehearsed around him and then he came in, put on a tuxedo, got drunk and looked at the cue cards. And everything you see on the Dean Martin variety show, he's also seeing for the first <laughs> time too. Seriously. I didn't realize that's, that. that. Yeah, that's true. There's no no shame in that. 
So I love variety shows. Now, this show features songs of the time, songs of the past, celebrities, giant collars, pastels, and the Brady family appears in backstage scenes and sketches. So the family story is the through line of the episode, the dance numbers, and much, much more happen in between. Now, I heard about this show for a while, but I'd never really watched it until I was involved in a sketch show that drew inspiration from the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, and that was called the Kuntz Family Hour. Yeah, it was about an ex-TV family who is now doing a sketch show. Very meta, very dirty, very offensive, still one of my favorite things I've ever done. Instead of Mike Brady and Carol Brady leading the family, you had Harry Kuntz and Maura Kuntz. There were even musical numbers. The show wanted to pay homage to the original variety show just enough, but also throw in a dirty joke. I watched a lot of Brady Bunch Variety Hour to get a feel for it, and I soon fell in love. Did you guys know when you were creating the show that it, you were specifically parodying that? Was so who came up? So someone came up with the idea of like we want to make fun of the Brady Bunch Variety yeah, Hour. Yeah. So there was a writer who was who Brady Bunch Variety Hour showed up on YouTube one night, and he was like. Hey, I think all the episodes are on YouTube. I would say, yeah, no, I, all nine episodes. God, are on it's YouTube. good. Oh my God, it's something. So yeah, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour was a thing essentially because a TV executive just wanted to make a quick buck. So let's just hear the intro for one of the songs. That is just the intro leading into, ladies and gentlemen, the Brady Bunch. Can I explain, or do you want to explain what what was actually on the screen? Oh, please explain. While this happened. So, folks, because it's a podcast and you you can't see what we're talking about, I encourage you, one, to go see what we're talking about. But this Yankee Doodle clip, first of all, there's a swimming pool. In a studio. Oh, yeah. And it looks like there's a bunch of, like... Aquatic dancers? Aquatic yeah, that's the Croftettes. I'll get into the Croftettes in a little uh, bit. Okay, cool. And then, like, on all these, like, different step stools, like, white step stools all across the stage at different levels, is the Brady Bunch. It, it almost looks like a set that you would have a big band on, but they took all the podiums off and, like, all the people in the, <laughs> in the band, and they're like, you know what? Let's just put the Bradys on it. And the people in it, the Brady Bunch, are wearing, like, red jumpsuits, leisure suits, leotards. Yeah, I, I would call them jumpsuits. With like stars on They're sleeveless jumpsuits, but they have white, big, puffy shirts underneath them. They're bedazzled. They have the stars. They are just showing off. They want the lights to hit every ounce of costuming. Yeah, and it, and it also looks like nobody here knows the choreography. I feel like they learned the choreography the day before and had like a camera rehearsal, a tech rehearsal, and then they're like, we're good to go. Now, some of them seem to be very energetic, like Florence Henderson and Barry Williams, who play Greg Brady. They seem to know what they're doing. But Robert Reed, the dad front and center, seems very lost by this choreography. Now, when the Bradys are chosen to star in a new variety series on ABC, Mike Brady gives up his architectural career and moves his family to a beachside home somewhere in Southern California. So the through line is that the family won a contest to become the new stars of a variety show on ABC. So Yes, it is the Bradys in front of an audience, and they are well aware that they are performing in front of an audience. So it's not like, hi, I'm Florence Henderson. I'm going to sing for you. No. It's, I'm Carol Brady. I'm going to sing for you. Exactly. Oh, that's weird. In addition to the Brady clan, next door neighbor Jack Merrill, who is played by the fabulous Rip Taylor. Rip Taylor, confetti, hello! Yeah, he, uh, he frequently finds his way into performing with the Bradys in their act, and he is the love interest of the Brady maid, Alice. Now, her former boyfriend, Sam, he, uh, he didn't make the cut. Sam the Butcher. Get the fuck out with these these dad jokes. I can't help it. Now, uh, each episode does feature the obligatory variety show song and dance numbers like you heard before, and there's those wonderfully written sketches that go on for far too long, as well as the show within the show behind the scenes story, which takes place at the Brady's new home. So we have the Brady singing... The Brady's in sketches, 
and then you see the Brady's preparing, preparing for this, and you know all the stuff that is going to happen uh, in the sketches, like uh, Mike not being a very good dancer and etc. The show came to be when Fred Silverman, a friend of the show, Fred Silverman, who was president of ABC at the time, had the idea of reuniting the cast of the Brady Bunch on an episode of the Donnie and Marie Variety Hour. So they were able to get four of the Bradys together on October 6th, 1976, and it was a ratings success. It had been two whole years since America had gotten their helping of their favorite TV family. Now, this reunion proved to be so successful that Fred Silverman began to develop a variety show centered around the Bradys, and he got TV giants Sid and Marty Croft involved to be the producers. Now, they'd become famous producing the kids' show H.R. Puffin Stuff, a show that is beloved by many and also fuels millions of nightmares worldwide. The Croft brothers were also producing Donnie and Marie's variety show at the time, so they jumped on board, and they knew what they were doing when it came to variety shows. Donnie and Marie's show was successful, so things were moving along. See, the issue was that Fred Silverman didn't go to Paramount, uh, who at the time held the rights to the Bradys, or he didn't go to Sherwood Schwartz, who created the Bradys. So he just started going on his own without their permission, which, you know, was a total oversight, or it was a classic 1976 Hollywood dickhead move. I feel like it's probably the latter. Either way, they were all able to agree on a deal and the project moved forward. When it came to casting, they had a little bit of convincing to do. There was Robert Reed, who played Mike Brady. He was always hesitant to do the other Brady reunions. He hated doing the he Brady hated. Bunch. And, uh, but Maureen McCormick said that it was the first time that they could ever remember him wanting to be a part of anything Brady-related. Barry Williams said that Robert Reed really enjoyed doing this. And Maureen McCormick also said once, uh, he sang and danced without caring that he was lousy and that the show itself was worse. His inner Dorothy had found her calling. I am a member of Mr. Reed's community, so I have to defend Robert Reed. He is a queen who's living his best life. You could tell he hated playing Mike Brady. He didn't want to do it. This guy was a serious, dramatic actor. He was this brilliant actor. But my God, you say we're going to put on some tap shoes, Francis, and he gets ready to go. Now, Florence Henderson, who played Carol Brady, she was the only one with any real singing and dancing experience. She was a little bit leery, but she agreed to appear. You know, she was a big Broadway star. She played Maria in The Sound of Music after Mary Martin. Real? I didn't know that. Yeah, she was a big Broadway star, Florence Henderson. Barry Williams, who played Greg Brady, was appearing on Broadway in Pippin at the time. He left the show to appear... Uh, on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, but he got to sing Corner of the Sky, which is from Pippin. He left Pippin to do this? Yeah. Oh, that's a big... Well. The show was pitched to him as the Barry Williams Variety Hour with the Brady Bunch. He was promised featured solos and elaborate dance routines. Spirit can run free. Gotta find the corner. Gotta find the corner. Gotta find the corner of the sky. Maureen McCormick, who played Marsha Brady, she was excited about working with the Croft brothers. There's Christopher Knight, who played Peter Brady. He turned his back on the entertainment industry, but he agreed to do it, uh, being aware of his singing and dancing limitations. He said that he was promised that he would only have to do the opening and closing numbers and some sketches. And he said that this is when he learned one of life's lessons. Always get it in writing. Now, of course, there was Mike Lookinland, Bobby Brady. Mike Lookinland was uncomfortable dancing and didn't want to do the show. He demanded twice the salary. And to his surprise, they gave it to him and ended up raising the entire cast's salary. So what? That's, yeah, that's nice of Mike Lookinland. Now, he still didn't enjoy doing it, even with the uh, pay bump, and he would skip rehearsals. And apparently, Florence Henderson found him in the parking lot one day and told him that they were all doing their jobs, and if his heart wasn't in it, neither should he be. 
She pushed him up against a car window with her finger in the middle of his chest and was poking him because he was not doing his fair share. Mama Bear's angry. Now there's Susan Olsen who played Cindy Brady. No, no, no. She played Cindy. Well, Thea loved the idea of doing ethanol type skits. God damn it, Cindy. It's sketches. It's sketches, not skits. Of course, there's the wonderful Anne B. Davis. Now, she played Alice. Uh, she left Hollywood in 1974, and she was volunteering at a clergy house in Denver at this point. And when the series was rushed into production, uh, no one thought to include Alice. Whoa, 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 I whoa. know. How, wait a minute. This is like saying we're going to do Frasier. Has anyone asked Kelsey Grammer? Oh, yeah, we should ask Kelsey if he wants to be involved. Alice is the heart of... Of the Brady Bunch. Yeah, I know. And they remembered her, and at the last minute, they offered her a guest-starring role. So she made a deal where she'd only have to film three days a week, and then she could commute back to Denver and fulfill her clergy duties. Now, of course, there's Jan. So Eve Plum didn't end up doing the show. It was offered to her, but she turned it down because of an option for it to go five years. Now, they auditioned 1,500 gals for the new Jan, and they ended up casting Jerry Reichel. Now, she got the part the day before rehearsals were about to start, and the other cast members, they made her feel at home, but she was dubbed Fake Jan by America. She is Fake Jan. See, Rob's part of America. Here's a clip of writer Bruce Valanche, who wrote on this, uh, talking about the fake Jan debacle. What t-shirt is he wearing for this one, Mr. Valanche? Uh, this one is, uh, it says Alice in Chains, and it's a picture of Ann B. Davis's Alice. See? In an S&M garb. Everyone knows, that was taken at the convent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone knows Ann B. Davis. I was never a Brady Bunch rabid aficionado, so I didn't, real and I didn't realize that there, that there were people at the time who were totally into it. What had happened was uh, an actress named Eve Plum uh, had stepped out of the Brady Bunch into a movie called Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway. And she'd gotten a 40 share, which in those days was gigantic. Now it's phenomenal. I mean, if you get a 40 share now, you know, they give you Dubai as a gift. I mean, in those days, it was, it was big, but it wasn't as big as it, as it would be now. But we called her Eve, I have a 40 share plum. Eve was now a serious dramatic actress, and she was not going to be Jan Brady anymore. And so when they made this deal to go back to the Brady Bunch for the Variety Hour, she wouldn't come back, so we had to find a new Jan. And um, it came down to two girls, one a girl named Jerry Reichel, who got the part, and the other one it was a girl who didn't get the part, and she uh, wound up marrying one of the Hilton heirs and became Kathy Hilton and had two children named Paris and Nicole. <laughs> Kathy Hilton didn't get the part, Jerry Reichel got the part, and people who were Brady Bunch fanatics immediately dubbed her Fake Jan because the real Jan, Eve Plum, was not on the show. So we had the stigma of Fake Jan hanging over our heads besides. I love Bruce Valanche. Uh, I just want to say to our audience, from this point forward, I will be calling everyone by their Brady names because it's just going to be easier. What do you call Jan? Jan. Fake Jan. Fake Jan. You have to call her Fake Jan. Let's get into the show. The Brady theme is done only with kazoos, no singing. Uh, so I guess kazoos were very popular in 1976 and 77. Or they forgot to book the orchestra yeah, exactly. for this one. Oh, shit. Everyone, pick up a kazoo. Mike, you got all those kazoos in your mom's car? Bring them in. After the first episode, they decided the Bradys needed that wacky neighbor who wanted to get involved in the shenanigans. And that man was Rip Taylor, <gasps> ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> now here is Rip Taylor's first entrance on the Brady Bunch. I am Merrill, the fastest mover in California. Fastest? You gotta be 12 hours late. Well, that's a record for me, my dear lady. <laughs> if you wanna move any faster, it takes an earthquake. <laughs> and what do you want the furniture, madam? Uh, uh, look, Mr. Merrill, I think it's a little late now. Yeah, not so fast, Bozo. Bozo? <laughs> you must be the help. Uh, why don't you get a good toupee? <laughs> Rude. I think what Alice means is that uh, 
Oh, oh, why don't you come back tomorrow? No, 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 that's impossible, dear lady. I'm doing Sherman Oaks. That was two days ago. You take your chances. You want your furniture now or what? Uh, Mr. Merrill will take the furniture. I thought you'd see it my way. You see, that's why he's the papa bear. <laughs> now, Rip Taylor, that macho, macho man, was also Alice's love interest, as I said earlier. Uh, like I said, Sam the Butcher was long gone, so those two just had a great chemistry. Uh, Rip Taylor felt welcomed by the cast, with the exception, unfortunately, of his love interest, Anne B. Davis, who barely spoke to him except for when they were doing their scenes. Series writer Mike Kagan said, Rip Taylor is a salty guy. He's got a dry <laughs> sense of humor, and Anne B. Davis is a born-again Christian. I'm sure that went over really well. Um, absolutely. Also along for the ride were the Croftettes, the Croft Brothers water ballet troupe. They got the giant pool made, and it was a perfect compliment to the variety show. Had a variety show ever featured a pool before? I don't think so. Unfortunately, some of the biggest production issues came with the pool. The first time they filled it with water, it looked like milk, so they resorted to filling it with 50,000 gallons of sparklets bottled water, chlorinated and filtered. She's bougie. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least you could drink the water you're swimming in. The swimmers were also the show's dancers, so they ended up working about 15 hours doing both each day. For one of the pool sequences, there was gas canisters in the pool, and they were ignited as part of a special effect, and the Croftettes were forced to smear Vaseline into their scalp so that everything would stay in place underwater. So they didn't catch on fire? Yeah, and so, like, yeah, the Vaseline would help, and then if... I think it would help stay, and the Vaseline would also be something that maybe wouldn't get ignited. It was also, it, I feel like it was used as a bonding agent and also a, like, well, this won't catch on fire. This will help. Jesus. The problem was it could only be removed with the recipe of spick and span along with joy, and that ended up turning everyone's hair green. So turbans and other headpieces were then used for the remainder of the series. This is batshit crazy. There were also large porthole windows on the side of the tank so that could help be helped with filming and getting shots. The set would also get visitors to watch the Croftettes swimming while they were filming. Now, there's a story about how... Chevy Chase and Paul Schaefer were working at the same studio on a TV special. And according to Paul Schaefer, Chevy Chase would cut production meetings short so everyone could go watch the Croftettes. Chevy Chase is really big into water sports. Oh, that, that is true. That is true. Hey, friends. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, Click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. So the plots of these nine episodes are just television gold. How many episodes? Nine? There's nine altogether. And I just want to go over the different episodes uh, with you. Episode 1. The Brady kids fear their father is not talented enough to appear in their variety show, so Bobby schemes to replace him with The Odd Couples, Tony Randall. Hi, Carol. Tony, what a pleasant surprise. Well, I'm going to be the guest on your show this week, and I thought I'd pick up my script. Oh, the script isn't ready yet, Tony. I've still got some work to do on it. You must be Bobby, huh? That's right, Tony. Mm, good. I'll call you Bobby. You may call me Mr. Randall. <laughs> Yes, Mr. Randall. Good. That way I can patronize you. <laughs> when Brady spend their first night in their new home, they find themselves with two unexpected house guests, Lovebirds, Lee Majors, and Charlie's Angels, Farrah Fawcett. 
When Bobby asks Uncle Milty Milton Burrell to appear on the show, the showman promptly runs amok. When Greg decides to move on his own, everyone's favorite scary man, Vincent Price, warns him that his new apartment is haunted. <laughs> when his family criticizes his singing and dancing talents, Mike decides to prove he can carry a tune. But when he teams up with everyone's favorite coochie coochie Charo for rehearsal, Carol becomes jealous. God bless Charo. Everyone's favorite Richard Nixon impersonator, Rich Little develops amnesia and believes he is one of the Brady children. Marcia announces her engagement to Winston Beaumont, a carefree hippie. Meanwhile, Sanford and Sons' Red Fox lurks around the set in preparation for his upcoming variety show, The Red Fox Comedy Hour. You big dummy. When the Brady kids announce that they've invited the kids from What's Happening to appear on their variety show, their parents inform them that a last-minute addition to the show is not possible. Raj and rerun? When singer-songwriter Paul Williams arrives to rehearse the show, he confesses his love for Carol. Meanwhile, Jan fangirls over guest star country singer Lynn Anderson. So here's a couple of behind-the-scenes notes that I thought were very interesting. The car wash number was just... I would love to be in the writer's room trying to figure out this sketch. Come summer, the work gets kind of hard. This ain't no place to be if you plan on being a star. Let me tell you, it's always cool. And the boss don't mind sometimes if you uh, act a fool at the car wash. Working at the car wash. Yeah. Come on and sing it with me, car wash. Get with the feeling, y'all. Car wash, yeah. So could you explain... What was happening in this musical number, Rob? Now, the car wash was a very popular song at the time. And, you know, they think, okay, we need to make this variety show pop. We need costumes. We need sets. We need to make the car wash different than just your average car wash on La Cienega. <laughs> it's called uh, the Emerald City Car Wash. Uh, the set looks like something from your high school production of The Wizard of Oz. The dancers are wearing these like huge headdresses that look like the, the, the what do they call them, the brushes that go around in the car wash, but they're green because it's Emerald City. Marsha Brady is Dorothy. She's dressed as Dorothy. Greg Brady is dressed as the Scarecrow. Uh, the Tin Man is Bobby? Uh, the Tin Man is Peter. Peter. And uh, the Cowardly Lion, of course, is played by... Rip Appropriation Taylor. One of the brush headdresses that you described was worn by a dancer named Charky Phillips, and it was fashioned so tightly to her head that she was in excruciating pain and afterwards discovered that her head was bleeding when she removed it. So that's Hollywood for you, baby. Now, a guy named Ted Nicholson co-authored a book about this show with Susan Cindy Olson, and he called it Love to Love You, Brady's, The Bizarre Story of the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. These are a, a, a few quick stories that he had from the show. Uh, this is about Sid Croft. Sid was having these visions of what the Bradys were going to do, and Marty would just sit there with his arms crossed his chest saying, you're nuts. These people would be in production meetings, and this kind of stuff would not happen anymore. Uh, today in Hollywood, everyone is so professional and on top of it. Here's a guy who would just say things and everyone would be like, what the hell are you talking about? One of those things, Sid Croft once said, and then we'll have dolphins, and they'll swim with the dolphins in the swimming pool. Then someone said, but Sid, the dolphins will die. To which Sid goes, well, how long would they live in the pool? Now, because Robert Reed, like we were saying, was so bad at singing and dancing, they changed Mike Brady's character to kind of make him out to be the buffoon and Carol to be kind of in charge of everything and making all the decisions. Whereas in the original sitcom, Mike was the leader and held the bunch together, lecturing them and stuff like that. Now, although Robert Reed did love doing the variety show, he did have some tantrums and meltdowns, and uh, he would actually get angry at Florence Henderson because she would get angry at the kids for being too slow. Now, like I said earlier, this was at the height of Maureen McCormick's well-documented uh, drug addiction, and they had to hire extra people just to keep her corralled and make sure she was getting to set. Now, one day, Maureen didn't even show up. She showed up to do her pre-record, so they had her voice there and everything, but they couldn't find her. They panicked because... 
They only had a short amount of time to film the show. They found her lying on the beach somewhere, which is pretty good considering there was no texting or anything back in those days. Everyone was already in costume, and there's actually an episode where there are two musical numbers where Maureen McCormick is missing, so they just had to restage one of them, and you can see uh, Susan Olsen lip-syncing Maureen's, uh, Maureen's lines a little bit. Now, Barry Williams is really proud of these shows because he says they all worked really hard on them. And while they seemed kind of cheesy now, he said at the time they were doing them, he thought that they they did a pretty good job, which you can tell he's giving it his all. He I did mean, a pretty good job. And that's the thing is I feel like all of them are giving their all, mind you, maybe not Peter or Bobby. But I mean, they're all they all wanted to do it, even if they didn't think it was that good. So let's talk about the premiere. The initial episode premiered in November 1976 and was such a rating success that they decided to do those eight additional episodes. Now, the next eight aired randomly between January and May 1977. So wait, just so I'm clear. So the idea was just, we're going to do one, see how it goes. Exactly. And if it goes well, we'll keep doing them. Yeah. But not... But not on a schedule, like just whenever they felt like they would do one? Back then, there wasn't a normal television schedule. So the show was intended to air every fifth week in the same slot as the Hardy Boys' Nancy Drew Mysteries. So I oh, think that's what you mean. It was a rotating yeah, slot. Yeah, so it was like a rotating okay. slot. So they initially, yeah. So it wouldn't be like Brady Bunch Variety Show. Or it wouldn't be Brady Bunch Variety Hour every Wednesday. It would be like, okay. In this rotating slot. Exactly. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so I think things were a lot different back then. And I mean, a lot of times they would air, try out pilots in rotating slots and stuff. So this was just one of those types of things. Now, for the last eight episodes, they shortened the title from the Brady Bunch Variety Hour to the Brady Bunch Hour. And I'm sure that that saved a ton of money on computer graphics back then, getting rid of that variety (laughs) <laughs> They're like, oh my god, you know how many megabytes that takes up? Now we can afford the dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, because it was scheduled sporadically with that uh, rotating schedule, it led to an inconsistent ratings. And there was a promo that was often shown with uh, Robert Reed and Florence Henderson stating, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour won't be seen this week, but we'll be back again soon. When? <laughs> Unfortunately, due to the poor ratings because of the sporadic scheduling, the Brady Bunch Hour faded into... The Sunset. This is the final song called United We Stand. Well, we've come to the end of another show. We would like to thank the one and only Milton Berle. The sensational Tina Turner. And our resident funny man, Rip Taylor. And the lady we all love, Ann B. Davis. And our crop tet dancers in Water Folly. Thanks a lot, because without you, there wouldn't be a Brady Bunch. I would rather be than with you, my love. And there's nothing in the world that I would rather see than your smile, my love. The Brady boys went out wearing their white leisure suits. The Brady girls went out wearing their powder blue, beautiful dresses, walking over the confetti into the starlight. Now that was a story of a family named Brady. Now when we come back, we'll discuss the impact the Brady's had on television and pop culture overall. I'll also be on the second step of my hair perm process. This was a thing, this was a thing And now, this is a sketch If it isn't Rip Taylor himself, good to see you again, my old friend. Well, it's just so good to be back here at ABC. <laughs> ABC sounds like something I picked up from Wally Cox back in 52. <laughs> God, Rip, you never get old. Have a seat. <laughs> you mean I'm allowed to leave with a chair? <laughs> Every time. You see, I'm hoping that you leave with a little more than a chair. <laughs> now, Rip, we're rebooting the Brady Bunch and making it a variety show. Well, that show could use some variety. All the little girls are blonde. 
respond. <laughs> That's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. Eve Plum is out. We need a new jam. Well, sounds like you're in quite a jam. Clever! Instead of jam, you said jam. You still got it. What? Confetti, confetti. I still got it. Oh, my God. Wow. What did you pull that out of? Oh, yeah, places. With Eve not coming back, we need to recast Jam. And the only person I see replacing her is you, Rip Taylor. That would be an honor. I may have to get a new hair, but I'm all right with that. Hair, chair, whatever you need, baby. Uh, I just need you to do a quick reading for the shareholders. You get it. Uh, now, now go ahead and uh, just read this for me here. Let me put on my glasses. Will you read me in? Of course. Mm. You mustn't feel left out because you don't have a boyfriend now. Uh, but I do have a boyfriend. He's one of the nicest boys in the school, and he thinks I'm super cool. His name is George. <laughs> George. George Glass. George Glass. I'll go wash up for dinner, confetti. Oh, my God. That was perfect. And it's raining confetti. I have a good feeling about this. I always have a good feeling, except for that time I was with Wally Cox in 52. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Now, which chair am I allowed to take? I was serious. Thank you. This was a sketch. It was a popular show when it was on and still is syndicated to this day. And having a blended family on television back when the show premiered was very unusual, but it was reflective of what was happening in America at the time. I probably learned the same lessons from episodes that my mom did when she was a kid. I just didn't dress as cool as my mom dressed when she was a kid. People related to this family, if not even more specifically, they related to a certain Brady. I've always considered myself a Greg-Alice-Cousin-Oliver hybrid. I'm a doofus who loves to perform like Greg, a gossip like Alice, and I disappear well just like Cousin Oliver. But I'm sure everyone has their own hybrid. Rob, what, what's your hybrid? I'm an Alice with a George Glass rising. Ooh, George Glass rising. Now... Because of the Brady Bunch's success, it seemed feasible to think, hey, that's a family that you can spin off. We can franchise these folks. It worked for McDonald's. It could work for the Brady's. Now, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour isn't the first spinoff of the Brady's. While the original show was still on, ABC also ran the animated series, The Brady Kids. In 1972, The Brady Bunch was going into its fourth season when show creator Sherwood Schwartz was approached by Filmation Animation Studio to do a Brady cartoon. Filmation was known for Fat Albert and Star Trek the Animated Series, amongst other things. The show premiered in September 1972 and was about the Brady kids going on various adventures, but Mike, Carol, and Alice were nowhere in sight. Now, all the Brady kids did their own voices for the first season. There was a contract dispute, so Greg, Marsha, and Peter didn't return for season two. It was canceled after 22 episodes. Luckily, the Variety Hour wasn't the last time the world would see the Brady family in live action because five short years later in 1981, NBC decided it was time to make a made-for-TV Brady movie. Now, originally titled The Brady Girls Get Married, it was meant to be a one-full-hour-length movie. Instead, NBC decided to break the film up into three separate parts to be broadcast on three separate weeks. Well, the fourth week was the premiere of the all-new Brady sitcom, The Brady Brides. This project was the only time the entire cast worked together again after the cancellation of the original series. Eve Plum was back as Jan this time, and the world was right again. Real Jan, real Jan. Now, eventually, they all would reunite for Marsha and Jan's double wedding. This was the only Brady sitcom to be filmed in front of a live studio audience, which I thought was pretty interesting. The show was canceled after 10 episodes. Why? <laughs> Ratings. In 1989, CBS premiered a TV movie, A Very Brady Christmas. Everyone returned except for Susan Cindy Brady Olson, who was on her honeymoon at the time of filming. The actress Jennifer Runyon, who's most known for being in Ghostbusters, where Bill Murray does the ESP test on her, replaced Cindy. At this point, the Bradys had three grandchildren, and the special had the highest ratings of any television movie that season for CBS. Now, because of the success of Very Brady Christmas, CBS asked Brady creator Sherwood Schwartz and his son Lloyd to create a new Brady series for the network. Schwartz initially turned down the idea, fearing that it would harm the Brady franchise, and he finally gave in because CBS was, quote, desperate for programming. 
Like A Very Brady Christmas, the Bradys mixed elements of comedy and drama into an hour-long episode. Lloyd Schwartz said it was more in the vein of the dramedy 30-something than the original series. Now, Susan Olsen was back to play Cindy, but Maureen McCormick was out as Marsha. She was replaced by actress Lee Ayers, who you might know from the film Bloodsport. A young Jonathan Taylor Thomas played Greg's son, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's very dark. It's a, it's very dark. Uh, Bobby? Is that the youngest boy? Yeah. He's a, a race car driver and gets paralyzed from the waist down. It's not buoyant and, and fun. It's a very serious show. A two-hour premiere aired on February 9th, 1990 on CBS and initially had respectable ratings. It changed time slots and was canceled after six episodes. Now, let's get into the movies. I love the movies. A Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady sequel, two very successful film adaptations of the Bradys released in 1995 and 1996. They were done very tongue-in-cheek and still maintain some of the charm of the original series. The Bradys maintained their 70s fashion but live in the world of the 90s. They featured cameos for much of the original cast. I watched these again recently, and I think they are just still such great movies. Shelley Long. And Gary Cole. Oh, my God. As Mike and Carol Brady in this thing are so... This movie is fantastic. Both of the movies but, are but fantastic. But you're absolutely right. The parents, Shelley Long and Gary Cole, are, are so good. In 2019, a very Brady renovation premiered on HGTV. It brought the six surviving Bradys together again. Sadly, Robert Mike Brady Reed passed in 1992, and Florence Carol Brady Henderson passed in 2016, while Ann B. Davis passed in 2014 this show is much different than other brady shows the house that was used for the exterior shots of the original brady series was put on the housing market in 2018 then hgtv won the house with a bid of 3.5 million dollars hgtv brought back the brady kids to help renovate the house to appear as it did on the original show the show remains on my list of, oh yeah, I wanted to watch that. <laughs> the final thing that would involve the original Brady's was two episodes of Chopped on Food Network. Sadly, none of the Brady actors competed in the competition, but they were broken up into groups of three and judged the dishes presented to them. The themes of the episode? Meals from Hawaiian ingredients and meals from groovy ingredients of the 70s. Like spam and stuff? Oh yeah. Tang maybe? The Brady Bunch Variety Hour is a largely forgotten piece of the Brady history, but thanks to YouTube, it's easy to find, but it would have been hard to find copies before the internet, I feel like. I Oh, totally. Yeah, which is just so sad. It seems like it's not part of the larger Brady story anymore. It was never mentioned in any of the reunions that happened later on. So essentially, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour was retconned, retroactive continuity. Ooh. You see this a lot now with Marvel and Star Wars, but you have to think the Bradys were on the forefront of retcon. TV Guide listed it as the fourth worst television show of all time in 2002. The fourth worst show? Really? Yeah. I like to say that this is the quintessential 1970s variety show, and that's my opinion. Not that there's a list out there saying that. But I would love for there to be a list, actually, with all the different ones ranking them. This show is not afraid to show that it's from the 70s. From the songs to the bright colored jumpsuits to the perms, it screams 1970s. I feel like other shows uh, at that time adapted to the 70s, changing curtain color, thicker breasts on jackets, longer sideburns. But Johnny Carson and Ed Sullivan aren't going to perm their hair up. They're not going to wear a bright orange leisure suit on television they're not going to throw on that bedazzled pink jumpsuit so i feel like the brady's embraced the 70s took the colors the tone and everything and we can see that all in this variety hour i love the variety hour I think it I think it's a perfect encapsulation of the 1970s and I find this so fascinating that the Brady's really are the first television franchise to materialize. And I don't know if has it has it been done since where the the, the characters and the actors keep reappearing on on various television shows in such a, in such a large format. Something that would be maybe close 
to it would be Blackish nowadays. And how many things has, has Blackish right done? Right now, it has a spinoff called Grownish, which one of the main characters goes off to college. Uh-huh. And then there's another prequel that premiered in, ni- uh, in 2019 called Mixedish, which centers on the mom from Blackish growing up. So it might get there. Yeah, it might get there. It might so get it's there. not the original characters from Blackish going to different things, but it's one of those things where they use Blackish as a starter to like do a franchise and tell stories from other perspectives and other things that you wouldn't see on the main blackish show oh uh, got it so i mean I, I i don't necessarily know there's anything quite like what the brady's have done but i feel like blackish is like you know it has a lot of spin-offs that have been successful yeah i mean i guess maybe the chicago series in on nbc how there's chicago md chicago fire chicago pd chicago da Chicago bus driver. There's the law and orders and stuff, but it's also, but it's, I mean, it's, it's these specific yeah, characters. Yeah, I feel like coming the, back. Yeah, I feel like the Bradys are probably the only ones that have had over time like that. Reunions were big in the 70s and 80s and stuff and kind of died out in the 90s. And so you wouldn't see a lot of things in the 90s like bringing back people from the 70s. I feel like that hasn't started happening again until fairly recently when with streamers, it's easier to bring people back for a reunion. But I don't see a franchise being... I don't see something that is as wholesome as the Brady Bunch, the initial thing, spinning off onto all these different things. And I think one of the things that also helped, because you said there was a lot of reunion specials in the 80s, because remember like there was the Andy Griffith reunion in Green Acres and and all that stuff. Leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. And I think that the issue everyone was running into with those shows was you would see them... 20 years later and you would go my god everyone looks so horrible you know and it was in in some cases it was embarrassing you know to see some of these people trying to redo what they had done 20 or 30 years ago unlike the brady bunch where they were all very even the parents were all very very young to begin with yeah so as time went on it wasn't like they were making these big leaps forward it wasn't like Eddie Albert's 80 when he's doing green acres and now he's 100 in the reunion special like i couldn't imagine Modern Family doing a spinoff going, we're going to do a variety hour of this family for Modern Family and not have it be tongue-in-cheek. How, like, Brady Bunch Variety Hour was, like, they knew it was kind of silly, but they gave it their all and stuff, and they produced it to be, like, a serious comedy show, not, like, a goof. And then I also couldn't see, like, Ed O'Neill and Sofia Vergara's character having a spinoff, like, a a 30-something version of their characters and having, like, the real-world fights and problems that would happen, you know? Although I would like to actually see a Modern Family variety show. I would, too. The cool thing about the Brady Bunch is it evolved depending on what time it was in. The 60s, it's heartwarming. Okay, we can be heartwarming. 70s, variety. Yeah, fun, fancy. 80s, it's a multi-cam in front of live audience. Great, we can do that. You know what I mean? It's They just continuously kept... Well, and also, Changing. and also, I feel in the '80s, like that was the era where TV shows felt like they could get even more serious. Like the '70s kind of opened up to like real world stories. Yes. But then the '80s, like they were able to go into like you know bad epidemics and stuff like that. Yes. So they're like, hey, let's put the Brady's in that story. Which, yeah, I don't think that that would happen. I'm so happy that you covered this today, and uh, I think it's time for a game. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. So to uh, quiz us, we are going to welcome our good friend to the podcast, the one and only Mark Schroeder. Mark, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Mark, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and and where people can uh, find you. Well, uh, Rob and I met years and years ago. I'm going to say about 15 years ago at Penn State University. And uh, you can find me at... (laughs) Uh, you can find me at Mark underscore Schroeder on Instagram and Twitter. And what's your Twitch show, which is hysterical? I have a show on Twitch called These Are Five Things with Private Street, my uh, comedy group here in L.A. And every show we have a fun special guest from the world of TV, film, comedy, and uh, my four other friends. And we talk about pretty much anything you want to hear, we'll talk about. One of my favorite memories of Mark is Mark was doing a comedy show in L.A. and uh, I brought my family to it. And Mark did a Silence of the Lambs parody where he literally disrobed was butt naked and had just tucked and my father to this day 
will still think it's the funniest thing. Wow. He'll just be like, remember when Mark tucked his dick in? Wasn't that funny? I'm like, Dad, we're in church, and we're Jews. We should probably be. <laughs> What's that smoke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so please, look at look at Mark's Twitch. It's it's fantastic. It's absolutely yeah, fantastic. Private street comedy on Twitch. Now, folks, if you check into our info description, you'll have a link, and it'll take you right there, and subscribe to this brilliant, funny man. Mark, you got a game for us, I believe. I got a game, baby. I got a game, because we're talking about the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, which by my count, there have been a 11 incarnations of the Brady Bunch brought back to life. So wow. I'm, these Dr. Frankenstein like about right, yeah. Executives in television will just not let this thing die. They keep bringing it back. Sherwood Schwartz has it's a very demanding man. Yes. We're playing more than a bunch. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you a known quantity in the form of a riddle. For instance, the number of innings in a baseball game. Mm-hmm. You're going to tell me if that number is more or less than the number of incarnations of the oh, Brady Bunch. So okay. if I said the number of innings in a baseball game... That's nine. That's even. Wait, no, you there's said 11? 11. There's 11. Yes. Great so Bambino over there. So this is going to go great. So here we go. In anatomy, the number of bones in all the fingers of each hand. More. Yes, that's correct. There are 14. There are 14 bones in all the fingers of each hand. I have 67. Is that weird? Oh my God. Gee, I'm not going to shake that. <laughs> The number of major championships that Tiger Woods has won, which includes the Masters, PGA Championship, and the U.S. Open. I want to say more, and I want to say he won 12. He won 15. Wow. Wait, what year is it? Uh, Right now, it's 2021. Oh, well, that's why I still think it's 12. Okay, I need to set my watch back. He's won five Masters, four PGAs, and six Opens. In politics, the number of executive departments in the president's cabinet. More. It is more. It's his poli-sci major right there. Yeah, it's very serious. There's 15. The secretaries of agriculture, commerce, defense, education, energy, health and human services, homeland security, housing and urban development, interior, labor, state, transportation, treasury, and veterans affairs, as well as the attorney general. I'd like to pitch a secretary of fun. Wouldn't that be good? Who would you appoint? Perez Hilton. Oh, I, I was going to say Mark. Mark, too. Oh, I'll take it. You know what? I wouldn't like the hours, and I don't like suits. But if uh, I can make my own hours and it's casual in the White House, I'm in. In rugby, the number of forwards engaged in a scrum per team. I'm going to say less. Eight. It is less. It is less. There are eight. In true crime, the counts of murder that Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, was convicted of. More. Convicted of? I want to say less. Convicted of. I'm going to say more. You do you, Ray. What is it? It is more. 13 Ah. counts of murder for Mr. Richard Ramirez. In music, the number of Bee Gees singles to reach number one in the Billboard Top 100 chart. Yeah, I feel like it has to unfortunately be less. Less. It is, unfortunately. There are nine. Nine. In musical theater, the number of Tony Awards collected by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Less. It is less. There have been eight. There have only been eight Tony Awards. That surprised me. I don't know why, and I thought that would have surprised you, but I guess you're not surprised. Starlet Express is like seven of those. In anatomy, the number of muscles in the human tongue. A normal tongue or my tongue? Jesus, put that thing away. Less? There's eight. Eight, ah. Which is more than I thought. I kind of would have thought the tongue is just a big muscle. Yeah. And finally, in television, the number of seasons of Murder, She Wrote. Oh, God. This is Rob's. I think it's more. I think Murder, She Wrote was on for 12 or 13 seasons. 12 seasons. Murder, She Wrote more. And what killed Murder, She Wrote? They put it up against Friends. Friends, the Murder, She Wrote killer. And there's an episode of Murder, She Wrote where she goes and solves uh, a murder on a TV sitcom. It's called Buddies, and it's literally Friends. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay, Mark. So thank you so much for um, a fantastic, wonderful game. Folks, if you remember watching the Brady Bunch Variety Hour or if there's a guest star that you really love that we didn't mention, make sure to hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All right. Till next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. 
If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 